Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. About four or five years ago, I had a bull break my forearm in half, doctoring it in a chute, and um, I, I spent like 12 weeks in a cast you know most time you're six eight weeks but man after 12 weeks because the bones were broke completely in two and so I went to the doctor and, and I mean I just had enough and I said look man if you don't take this cast off I'm gonna take it off and he said well you know I mean we took those x-rays you know a couple of weeks ago and it's just not healed all the way through I said you were me doc he said all right I'll take it off on one condition one condition he said you just can't fall down or anything. And I scoffed at him because, see, he didn't know that I'm a cowboy ninja, okay? I don't fall down. I mean, some people do not recognize themselves in space, and, you know, they may fall down or trip or be stumble-footed. That is not me. I grew up in West Texas around the mesas, and I hunted snake rattlesnakes for a living. When you are climbing through rocks hunting rattlesnakes, you try not to fall down very often, and you get sure-footed like a mountain goat. That's me, okay? I mean, I can count on my hand. I can count on one finger the amount of times I've fallen in about the last 25 years. Wait, I'm only 23. Last about 17 years or so. Um, but anyway, so, so he took the cast off. My old hand was all scaly and, you know, gross like it is if you've, ever had a, if you've ever had a cast on. And so we did some running around, and we got home, and it had snowed that day. And, and I'll go walking into the house. Now, my house has a, the house that we were living in at the time had a ceramic floor, and I, and I wear leather-soled cowboy boots. Now, you better, take your, you better take your boots off before you walk in Honey's house. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to track snow all over the place. So I get in, and I kind of lean up against the old wall, and I go to take my boot off, right? Well, I wasn't really paying attention, and I went to take that boot off, and my foot slipped out from underneath me. But being the cowboy ninja that I am, when that foot slips, this one does what it's supposed to. I caught myself. But about the time I was going to pat myself on the back, that boot slipped. And so I caught myself again. And before long, man, I'm doing like one of these numbers, right? Whoa, and my wife's sitting there. She don't know whether to jump in and help me or just stay back and let me crash, right? So I'm sliding all over the place. Oh, like that. And then I stopped sliding. But it wasn't for the good reason. It's because both feet went, Phew. Two hours after that doctor told me, whatever you do, do not fall down. I hit so hard. But luckily, in God's grace and mercy, our dog kennel, one of those wire ones, those big dog kennels that are made out of wire and they're black, was right there by the door and the gate was open on it. And I landed on that. You can come look at the dog kennel today. It don't shut right. You got to chain it tight with a come along. I landed on that thing. I kept my arm up. You know what I mean? So I don't really think that counts as a fall, maybe half a fall or something like that. But boy, I hit on that, and I sat there for a second, and I wasn't hurt, right? But you got to milk that, you know what I mean? You can't just jump up like nothing's wrong, you know? you got to sit there. And so my wife was like, you okay? You okay? I'm like, yeah, I think so. So I stood up, seeing how far I could take it. And I looked over, and my two kids was in the living room. And they were standing there like that. And then they bust out laughing. Ah! 
They, they cut me no slack whatsoever. I didn't know whether to be mad. I was kind of proud. Because <laughs> if you fall down around a cowboy, I'm just telling you, in case you don't know, you fall down around a cowboy, we're going to laugh. We'll call the ambulance, but we're going to laugh. It's just part of the culture. It's the only culture in the world that celebrates its wrecks, and we're going to laugh at you. We can feel sorry for you later. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. If you decide not to laugh, that's your fault. Okay? You got to learn this stuff. You know, talking about slipping and sliding. Uh, I, I was at a friend's house last night. Me and some other friends were at another friend's house. And he, he spent his life in the Navy. And, and we got to talking about big Navy boats and the hurricanes that are coming. And, and, you know, we got to talking about how all of the ocean, all of the waters and all the oceans cannot sink a boat if the water stays on the outside. But in comparison, just the minutest fraction of water in the entire ocean, just this much in comparison to how much water's out there can sink the biggest ship if it gets on the inside. You keep all of that water on the outside, and that boat will just slide through the water. It don't matter how big the hurricane is. It don't matter how rough the seas are. As long as that boat is sliding through the water and the water's on the outside, it's going to stay afloat. But when that water starts getting on the inside, that's when you have a problem. And it don't matter how big and how bad the boat is, enough water gets in there, and it's going to sink. Our life is like a boat on the ocean. Our life is like a boat on the ocean. We can survive hurricanes and unimaginable storms as long as that stuff stays on the outside. We've been talking about the Magnificent Seven. We've been talking about the seven spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12. We've been talking about prophecy. We've been talking about serving. We've been talking about encouragement. We've been talking about teaching, about giving, about... Uh, um, now I'm going to draw a blank because I don't have them wrote down. Uh, leadership, thank you. And then there's one more, which is mercy and compassion. In the first service, I got stuck. I forgot teaching. So anyway, uh, I said it second, so I didn't forget it. And then I forgot leadership. But anyway, those are the seven spiritual gifts that you get when you ask Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit comes into you. You receive a gift. And that gift is to be used to spread the gospel, to lift people up. It is for... It is, the, it is the best thing for the church, and I'm not talking about save the cowboy because you are not at church. If you, are a, if you are a saved Christian, you are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church, okay? So with that being said, these spiritual gifts, different people handle things different ways person with prophecy, they may be pretty bold and they're just going to tell you like it is. They don't look at any gray area in the Bible. It's just black and white where somebody with the gift of encouragement like I have, you know, we're going to try to be a little nicer about things, use a little more tact, you know. But when you, when you have somebody with a gift of, of prophecy and a person with gift of encouragement, if you don't understand that they're going to handle things two different ways, it can create problems. Okay, It can create problems. Now, we can use all of these gifts to lift the whole church up, or these gifts will tear people apart. I want us, as a small portion of the body of Christ globally, to use our gifts to come together to do something amazing. 
Okay, but how do we do that? We've been talking about character. We've been talking about attitude. And today we're going to talk about where our strength comes from. In Romans 12, 19, Romans 12, 19, the Apostle Paul says, Dear friends, okay, now he's not talking to somebody else. He's talking to you. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is talking to you through Paul. So when he says, dear friends, he's talking to you. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Look, basically that's, that's a lot of like, you know, that sounds kind of churchy and biblical and easier said than done and all of that. But, but let, me, let me put this in, in cowboy terms for you, okay? You got to let it slide, Okay. You've got to let it slide. Just like that boat going through that water, all that water that has the potential to sink it just slides right on around it. That is how we have to live our lives as Christians. We can't take revenge. We've got to leave that to God. We'll let God deal with them, okay? But we've got to let it slide because we weren't made to carry all of that inside of us. A boat is not meant to carry all of the water in the ocean. It's meant to float on top of it. And as long as it slides through the water and nothing gets in, it can stay afloat no matter what's going on. But too often we take that stuff inside. Letting it slide doesn't mean that we don't deal with difficult situations though. Okay? I, I'm not saying that we, we got to you know, tuck our tail in and you know, slink around all pacifist-wise. I'm not saying that you can't deal with a problem because actually when a boat is in a hurricane, the, the only way that boat will survive that hurricane is to point straight into it. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying don't deal with your problems, but I'm saying don't dwell on your problems. You can deal with a problem. You can deal with the hurricane without trying to take the hurricane with you. See, the reason we never take revenge, leave that to the righteous anger of God, is because whoever's doing something to you, whatever situation, whether it's somebody you don't know, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's your spouse sometimes, um, whatever the case may be, they'll have to answer for the things they've done. Okay? They'll have to answer for the things that they say. Okay? It is not our job to condemn. It is not our job to try to correct everything. Our job is to make sure that we do the right thing because we're not in control of anybody else. They will answer to God for the things they have done. Now, why is that important? Listen close. The reason that that is important, the reason you let God deal with it is because you ain't God. You, 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 you don't know what they're going through. You can't see their heart like God does. Man, just let that stuff slide on past you. I didn't say it would be easy. But most people, man, you know, if, you, if you're now a Christian or, or maybe you're coming back and, and you really want to try to follow God in your life, but you're just not seeing some of the changes that are being made, maybe you're not seeing some of the promises or, or anything like that, if you want to make a big difference in your life, the first thing that you got to, the only thing you got to do to make a drastic change in your life is to let that stuff slide. 
Just because somebody's an idiot and does something doesn't mean that you have to lug that around in the hull of your ship. Because chances are the next person that's going to do it, you're going to take that on too. And you're going to walk around and then you're going to take that on and take this on and take that on. And before too long, guess what? You're sinking. And if that wasn't hard enough, listen. This was really, really difficult for me. It may be real easy for you. But here's the thing. Quit waiting for an apology. Quit waiting and expecting an apology. Because quite frankly, nobody owes you anything. And you don't need it. You don't need it. I mean, when you're just letting stuff slide off, even if somebody did come back to apologize, you're like, what are you talking about? I mean, it happened not too long ago with somebody close to me. I had actually kind of snapped at them, and then it got to eating on me a little bit, and so I went back to apologize, and they literally did not know what I was talking about. Why? Because they let it slide. They showed me enough love, grace, and mercy that the, the, the crappy thing that I snapped back at them about, they just let it slide right off. They wanted expecting an apology. And how many, how many times do we go through life waiting, well, you need to apologize. No, they don't. They don't need to apologize to you. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be good for them to apologize, but quit waiting for an apology because they don't owe you anything and you don't need it. The only reason you would need an apology is if you have started dwelling on that and taking it inside. You treat other people the way you want God to treat you. You treat other people the way you want God to treat you. I mean, the good book says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And that's true. But I like to look at it as, I'm going to try to treat you the way I want God to treat me. I want God to be forgiving with me because he sees every wrong thing I do, it, public, private, on purpose, on mistake. He sees everything, and I'm just like, God, please forgive me for that. I want God to forgive me, but if I'm not forgiving others, if I'm not treating others the way I want God to treat me, he's going to say, hey, man, the measure by which you judge is the measure I'm going to use on you. There, there's, a, there's a Bible story about this guy that, that kind of, and Jesus tells the story that a guy came up and, and he owed the king like, let's say, $500,000, right? And he just, God, I, you know, I mean, king, I can't pay it back. Please, please, can we do something about this? And the king, in his grace and his mercy, said, you know what? Your debt is forgiven. You don't worry about it. So he, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he goes out and there's somebody that owes him five bucks. And he goes and he has his henchmen go beat that guy up and take him hostage until his family can pay him the five bucks that he's owed. The king hears about it. And this is Jesus telling the story. The king hears about it, goes and has the soldiers arrest that guy that came and asked forgiveness and they threw him into prison. He said, I forgave you $500,000 and you can't do likewise? That's why we need to let this stuff go. If you want God to let go of the stuff that you do wrong... Man, you've got to pass that along. I mean, to the point that Matthew 6.15 says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will, forgive, will not forgive you. Now, forgiveness is not really based on what you do. What that means is if you receive the grace and you're not giving it, you're not Christ-like, and you're really not following Him. Okay, nobody said this was going to be easy. 
Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Man, everybody's going to have to stand up in front of the big man and answer for the things they've done. You let God worry about those scoundrels, okay? You let God worry about that. You just let it slide. That's where true strength comes from. That's where magnificent strength comes from. Quit carrying all of that stuff inside of you, man. Just let it slide. Just let it roll off your back. And the second thing, if we're going to have magnificent strength, if we're going to use our gifts to what God has called us to do for not our own personal gain, but for the glory of God, we're going to have to let things go. We can't take revenge. we got to just let stuff slide. And the second part of being strong is you're going to have to be a rebel. Now, I know some of you are like, well, finally, I got one down, all right? I, I can do that. I can be a rebel. I've been a rebel my whole life. Well, you know, let's talk about that first. You know, I, the, the first thing that came to mind was the American Revolution, okay? During the American Revolution, Britain sent all these redcoats over, and these dudes would put like 5,000 people on the battlefield, and they'd all line up in these nice straight roads side by side to shoot at each other. The Americans thought that was stupid, so they hid behind trees and just wiped them out. Even though there was just a few hundred against a 5,000, they were able to win. We've got to be that kind of rebel. we got to know how to fight. Instead of cursing, condemning, and being without compassion. Because see, that's, what the, that's the way the world fights. You look at any situation, and, and just like this, line, this old line in the floor, you got this half of the people are going to line up and shoot at this half of the people, and this half of the people are going to line up, and they're going to shoot. It's going to be over statues. It's going to be over football players kneeling on the floor. You, you just name it, and people are always lining up, shooting at each other. It's stupid. It is dumb. We as Christians shouldn't be getting involved with that. And if you're lined up, I'm not saying that you don't stick up for what you believe in, but let's be a rebel. Let's not act like the world acts. Let's do it differently. And good enough, the good book tells us how to do that. Instead of cursing, condemning, and being without compassion, we're going to bless people. Because, see, that's the way the world fights. It's just, well, you, you know, accusing and condemning. Well, you're dumb. Well, you're dumb. And all of this stuff. Well, I'm offended. Well, now I'm offended. Well, I'm offended that you've been offended. Well, I'm offended that you're offended about me being offended. Oh, stop it. Bible says instead of cursing, condemning, and being without compassion, that we need to bless each other. When, when people try to hurt us, we're going to bless them. When they try to break us down, we're going to lift them up. And when they try to destroy us, we're going to heap burning coals of shame on their heads by blessing them. Now, you might be saying, no, wait, I, I was good till that heaping coal burning flame part. That was kind of, I didn't say it, God did. In Romans chapter 12, verse 20, he says, Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. And I, I, I know this sounds awful. I mean, that, that does kind of sound bad, right? But it's our secret weapon. When somebody tries to hurt us, we don't pay evil back with evil. We bless them. 
Because see, when you bless someone, what you are doing is you're asking God to fill their lives. Now, I don't know about your conversion experience, but when God filled my life, man, it was a burning fire. He had to burn away a lot of the impurities in my old ways that was keeping me from a relationship with Him. And I'm telling you, it wasn't pleasant. You know, they call it, the Bible calls it dying to self. There's nothing pleasant about dying to self. Now, it resurrects us into something beautiful, something eternal, something holy. But there's nothing pleasant about that refiner's fire. And when we ask God to bless somebody, we are asking God to come into their lives and work that kind of stuff into their life. That's where it heaps the burning coals of shame on their heads. See, God is a refining fire, and He's going to burn away the impurities, and if they're trying to attack you, they got some impurities in there, and what you're doing is you are letting God deal with it. You say, look, God, I'm going to bless them. I want you to come into their life. I want you to control the situation. I'm not going to try to do it. I'm just going to let it slide on by, and in doing so, when God takes over, He's going to start, he's going to start convicting their heart. Not condemning, convicting them. And he's going to ask them to make a decision, man. Are you going to continue to follow the ways of this world and be unhappy and blah, blah, blah? Or do you want something more that's going to fulfill your life? That's what that heaping, burning coals of shame means. Man, let God deal with it. You ain't God. And quite frankly, we're we just going to ask God to bless them, okay? It's guerrilla warfare. They're expecting us to line up and shoot back because that's the way this world works. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to... Walk off and uh, bless you, brother. You know, when I first got here, um, there, was, there was a guy that got mad at me. And, and please, I only tell this story not to cast anything on him. I'm giving you an illustration. I don't want you to ask everybody who it was or start trying to figure anything out because that's not right. But there was a guy that tried to destroy my ministry about a year into it. I mean, he accused me of animal cruelty. He posted stuff all over the, uh, called the cops on me. I mean, it was a horrible situation. And for the first time in my life, about the time I was getting ready, because, I mean, I, I'm kind of a fist fighter. I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to punch you in the mouth. About the time that the preacher wanted to punch somebody in the mouth, God reached into me and he took a hold of my ear and he said, you act like I tell you to act. And he said, I said to bless your enemies. So right then and there with him sitting there screaming and hollering, in my mind I asked God, I said, God, I want you to fill this man's life. I want you to bless him financially. I want you to bless him physically. I want you to bless him emotionally. I want you to bless him uh, spiritually. I want you to bless his household, bless his work, bless his family, bless inter every interaction. And I'm telling you, I nearly bit my tongue in half as I was praying silently. But I did it. I did not try to seek revenge, and God told me, you don't have, I mean, people were calling me, hey man, is this true? This dude's spreading all these, saying all these bad things. I said, it ain't none of your business, brother. But did you do it? I ain't going to answer you. It ain't none of your business. Because see, God had also told me that I can either defend myself or God can defend me. And there was horrible things being said about me lies and all of that stuff but every single day I continued to bless him and to this day right now I am asking God that I want God to bless that man to bless him financially to bless him physically to bless him emotionally spiritually to increase his household to come into his life and where there to such a level that there is nothing 
There's no room left for anything except the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for this from this man to this day. And you know what? After I did that, it wasn't 10 minutes later. He was mad and he loaded up a horse and he slammed the horse trailer and he forgot to move his finger. I watched him cut his finger off. Now, I didn't cause that, but he said that I cut his finger off. He made me cut my finger off. <laughs> You know, but that's what happens when, when, when you start messing with God's kids. And that's what happens when you are one of God's kids and you start doing things the way God said to do them. That's where our strength comes from. It was like at that moment, that's when this ministry took off. Because I turned it all over to God. I didn't seek any revenge. And I'm not saying that it was easy. It's not. Because you got people in your life that's just like that. If you don't have one now, you will have one in the future. You just got to let it slide off your back and, and you just got to say, God, I'm going to give you control of this because I'm just going to bless them. You know how to handle them a lot more than me getting all angry and taking that stuff inside and I just start sinking, 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 sinking. I'm just going to let it slide off my back and let you handle it, God. How about that? How about that? That was funny to us, right, Tess? A long time ago... I rode bareback at Texas Tech University. Let me rephrase that. I stuck my hand in the Reagan and they opened the gate at Texas Tech. I don't know how much riding there was to it because I was not very good. And so, but, but I, I had kind of gave it a, a pretty good shot and everything. Well, uh, later on I had moved back to Fort Stockton, Texas uh, where our ranch was and they were going to have a rough stock rodeo there in Fort Stockton. It's going to be bareback, saddle broncs, bull riding, and, and a wild horse race. Well, I was entered up in the saddle bronc in the wild horse race, and uh, a lot of these people had heard me talk about riding broncs, but they had never seen it. I mean, my grandmommy came, and my granddad came, and my dad was there, and my brother was there, and all my co-workers were there. Some people I didn't know were there. Everybody was there, right? And so they, they put up the draw, and I'm pretty nervous because this really isn't my forte, and so, anyway, they put the draws up. You know, I see like a horse is like, you know, 26H or something like that. So, I'd go to the stock contractor. And I'm like, hey, which one's 26H? And he goes, ooh, yeah, about that. And I'm like, oh, no. And he said, uh, listen, uh, you better bring your A game. I was like, why? He said, that horse has been out, I, I, I can't remember. It was like 26 or 30 times. I mean, it was a lot. It wasn't just three. And that horse had never been ridden. And that's the horse I draw. And I'm like, oh, no. I should have gone right then, run to Walmart, got me some Depends underwear because I was going to need them because I was about to pee myself. I was so nervous and so scared and, you know, just, oh, my gosh. And so bareback is first. So I go over there, and they load, and, and, and my horse goes in first. And she goes in, and there's, it's kind of like here Elizabeth, you know, there's got three bucking shoots on this side, three bucking shoots on this side, and the out gate is in the middle of them. And so she's facing right towards the, the alley in the middle. And so anyway, I'm getting my deal on, and I get it cinched down tight. And I climb over, and, you know, it's, oh, see, can you see? And I'm not even, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I got my, my old glove ri uh, rosined up, and I'm sticking it in there, and I'm trying not to pee. And, I mean, I'm nervous as all get out, right? And so anyway, they get done, and they're like, okay, you know, welcome to the rough stock rodeo, blah, blah, blah. Up first, we've got a local cowboy, Kevin Weatherby. And I mean, like half the stands, woo -hoo, and I'm just crying. I'm like, no. 
This horse has never been ridden, and I've never ridden. We were perfect for each other, right? And I'm like, I'm going to look like such a fool. And so I'm still getting my hand in there, because see, the longer you take, it looks like you know what you're doing. So I'm taking as long as I can, and I'm just trying to get, I, I'm, I'm dead serious, I was just trying to get the courage up. I didn't care about bucking off, I just didn't want to look like an idiot, which I'm pretty, pretty good at. And so anyway, I stick my hand in there, and when you ride bareback, you know, the slide and ride, right? You pull, that, you pull that rigging up right between your legs, and you put both legs on each side of it, and you try to stay right there no matter what happens, right? So you've got to get down and bear down, pull your head down, put your hand like that, and then they let the horse out. Well, I'm still back here on that horse's butt trying to get my hand in, right? And I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, that's not tight enough. I've got to get it tighter. And a buddy of mine is in the out gate. He's working the out gate. He climbs over because they don't know what's taking so long. He climbs up, and he goes, hey, Weatherby. I'm like, what? He goes, you going to ride this thing? And I was like, yeah. And they opened the gate. I didn't even have my hand in there yet. Not right. And I will never forget, it is a sickening feeling if you've ever been a bareback rider and you're sitting on its butt, your hand is way up here, and the horse has never been ridden, and they open the gate. Come back next week and I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word today. Uh, your word about doing things your way, just letting those things of our interactions with, with people that want to be our enemies or that, that talk bad about us or talk bad to us, we just let that stuff slide off our back and we never try to take revenge. God, we, we just bless people. God, give us the courage the next time we get into a situation, man, be a, be a rebel, Help us to be a rebel and just, instead of just acting like a mirror and giving it right back to them, man, let's turn the tides of this battle and just say, you know what, man, bless you. I, I pray that God blesses you because I'm not going to argue with you, man. You can go be whatever you want to be, but I just hope that God blesses your life. And God, I ask that you bless my life right now. And I ask that you bless everybody that's here watching and, and watching on the internet or listening on the radio, that you would bless their lives also. Not, not to heap burning coals of shame on their head, but so that you would fill their lives to trade all of that stress and all of that fear and all of that worry so that we can rise to the top and just let life slide on by as we go and we help spread your gospel by rescuing people that are lost and hurting. God, you've given us so much. Help us to pass that along to others. Your word says that they will know that we are your disciples the way we love other people. Help us to love people with a ferocity and a magnificence that has rarely been seen. God, fill our lives. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.